Welcome to Accelerating Your Dental Practice, a podcast with free expert advice to accelerate your practice's efficiency, growth, and profit. Here's your hosts, dental management consultants and friends, Malika and Michelle. Welcome back to another episode of Accelerate Your Dental Practice. Want to welcome back our regular listeners and welcome to the podcast anybody that is new. We have a great episode coming for you today with an awesome guest that Malika is going to go ahead and introduce for you. Yes, I'm excited for today. I would like to introduce Dr. Lin Tao. He has been chosen as one of the top leaders in dental consulting by Dentistry Today and has dedicated his professional life to improving dentistry for both dentists and patients. After putting his practice in Pennsylvania, in practice, the Pennsylvania Center for Dental Excellence in Philadelphia in 2007, Land practiced full-time while consulting to other dental practices, training thousands of dentists about reputation marketing, leading the dental division of BirdEye, a reputation marketing platform, and hosting the popular Raving Patient podcast. He recently authored a book, Raving Patients and 100 Plus Tips to 100 five-star reviews in 100 days released in March 2022. In 2018, Len cut down to practicing dentistry two days per week to focus additional time and attention to helping other dentists build broad and compelling online footprints that attract hundreds of new patients to their practices. In October 2021, he sold his dental practice but continues to provide his patients dental care two days per week while commuting from Parkland, Florida, where he has resided since October 2022. In July 22, Len announced his retirement from clinical practice effective December 2022. Len lectures nationally and internationally on using internet marketing, social media, and repetition marketing to make dental offices more visible and credible, as well as how to increase their case acceptance. We're so excited to have you today, Dr. Dr. Tao. Call me Len, number one. I, my okay. patients didn't even call me Dr. Tao. So Dr. Tao is like is like something I'm not, I don't even answer to anymore. So I, pref- I prefer Len, but thank you for it's having serious. me. Dr. Tao is I, serious. I, I, I appreciate it. Well, I know we have a lot we want to cover. So do you mind if we just dive right in? I think one big thing that our listeners are are asking, plus I see it in, in Facebook groups, our clients ask it, why is a strong online presence full of reviews so important for dental offices? Well, that's a great question. And it's something, it's why I give presentations all over the country. It's all online presence. You have to understand, you know, we live in what I call a reputation society. Every single thing we do, whether we go to a movie, we go to a restaurant, <clears throat> we go to a doctor, we, we buy something on Amazon, we buy something on eBay. Everything that we do revolves around some sort of rep- reputation, okay? And if you don't have a great reputation and thus are not visible and credible, people are not going to purchase your product. They're not going to go in or they're, they're going to stay away. They're going to avoid you like the plague. So that's one of the biggest reasons why you need a strong online presence is because that's where everybody's looking. Everybody's online. I mean, the studies show that 98% of people at least occasionally look online for information about a local business. And 98% of the time they're searching on Google to find that, to find you and you have to be there. And if you're not there, I like to say you're invisible. And 
being invisible doesn't result in more revenue to your practice. So there's a huge connection between having great credibility, having great reviews, having great visibility, being able to be found online. That combination of things results in a lot of revenue to the practice. And that is something that I've been preaching to the choir literally since 2010, since I've been giving seminars. If you go back to my old decks, which were all writing, now there's no writing, it's all visuals. But back then it's like, you must have an online presence. And that was before this was really a big thing, but I've been preaching it because it's worked consistently for all the clients that I work with. Yeah, and I think what's interesting, and I know you and I kind of briefly chat about this when we saw each other in Nashville, but like, you know, the whole SEO situation in hands in hands with the reviews. What is your take on that? Because, you know, I get a lot of my clients that say, well, I pay all this money for SEO, for, you know, PPC, all that, so on. And, well, will, the, will better, more reviews help me, more presence, or is the SEO going to do its job? So there's a very common question I get a lot. So I want to I want to clarify this because this is really important. So there are two types of SEO. There's website SEO, which is what your web company, web designer does for you. And that their goal is to get you ranking higher on the organic listings. And for those that don't know what the organic listings are, those are the listings that are below the maps. So usually you will see an ad maybe at the top, then you'll see the map section with three dentists on there. And then you'll see below that is the organic listings. So conventional SEO, we call it search engine optimization, gets you ranked below the maps. And it's very, very important to do be doing some sort of SEO for those keywords that you would like to rank for. Okay, there's no doubt about that. There's also local search engine optimization. And local search engine optimization gets you ranked on the maps of Google. And it involves making sure your name, address, and phone number, called your NAP, is consistent Okay, making sure you have a consistent flow of reviews. And there's a bunch of other factors that are involved. They're picking the right category, uh, picking the additional categories that you want to rank for. So there's two very distinct differences between local SEO and regular SEO, and they're not usually done by the same companies. So that's a very big difference or a very, very big discrepancy in the industry. Well, I thought my website was going to be doing this. No, they don't do that. Their goal is to get you more patience from your website, not from the maps on Google. So I feel SEO is really important. Do I think you need to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on it? No, but you just, you mentioned pay-per-click and all these other things. You have to understand that if you are, if you want to market your practice and marketing is an investment, not an expense, it's something you have to do nowadays. You cannot be successful in my opinion, unless you market your practice. Okay. And you have to remember taking insurance is a form of marketing. You know, if you are accepting all the PPOs out there, you're taking a 35 to 40% hit in the bottom line by accepting those patients. To me, that should be a marketing expense. That's what it really should be. Okay. I'd rather you cut some of the insurance and spend more money on marketing the practice because you'll get patients that pay more money. You know, they're not the insurance patients. Where do the insurance patients find a dentist on the insurance website? Okay. Where do fee for service patients find it? They ask a friend or they go online and look. So, you know, th- you have to understand that you ha- if you are spending money on marketing, you have to have reviews. The marketing doesn't work if you don't have reviews, because what they're doing is they're seeing the reviews and they're making decisions based on, the- on that. And if you don't have a consistent flow or enough reviews, the marketing you just spend is wasting your money. So I always say to people, stop your marketing spend until you have a steady flow of reviews because you're wasting your money. That's really interesting. And I have a lot 
of doctors who are afraid to ask for reviews. Like, I don't want to sound desperate. Like I don't have, I maybe have, you know, a few reviews here and there, but how do I get more without sounding desperate? So review requesting, asking, as we like to call it, is a, is a very old way to do it. It's a current way too, but you don't have to really ask anymore. Okay. When you go to a restaurant, when you go to, you know, you get your pet groomed, the comp the company sends you review requests. You're inundated with the review requests. Okay. But they don't ask for it. They may have a sign up at the at the store. Hey, you know, we would love to get you know positive feedback from you. But when I talk about requesting reviews, I have always said I don't like asking for a review because it sounds like you're begging for it. You know, the way, you know, somebody comes up to the front desk and you should be asking how their visit was. You know, you don't ask them for the money right away, hopefully. You say, well, how was your visit? And if they give you positive feedback about their visit, you just say to them, hey, we would love to get some feed that feedback written down. You know, so I always call it feedback. I never call it a review anymore. So that's mm -hmm. a big change that I want practices to make is ask for feedback about the patient experience. Don't ask for a review. I like you that. Know, like it's a much, much easier discussion for the front desk. Look, there are people at the front desk that you know have a hard time asking for money. You know what I mean? And that's part of their job. So asking for something is very difficult. Asking for a review makes it very uncomfortable, in my opinion. But if you ask for feedback, what does feedback do? Feedback in invites something potentially negative. Okay. That's what it's about. So, and there, you shouldn't shy away from getting negative feedback because I truly believe it makes you a better practice. As long as you're taking the feedback and changing the way you are in the office. Hey, every time I come in, I run late. What do you do the next time that patient comes in the office? You make sure you take them on time. If that's what happens, then you are improving your practice because of feedback the patient got you. So I like asking for feedback about the experience. Again, something I've been preaching to the choir since I started in this game, you know, in 2010. So that that's a big Big deal for me. Asking for a review is much more uncomfortable. I like that feedback. That's a good yes. one. Because I think people get, because I mean, even if you go to a restaurant these days, you know, they give you their, you know, after you sign and give the tip, they're like, they give their card and say, when you write a review, can you just mention my name? Because they have an internal competition going on, I can tell. And honestly, I take it, I'm like, I would need to give this girl a review because I know it affects maybe her raise, her, her promotion, her in her position in this restaurant. And I didn't see it as much as before, but lately I see it a lot. A lot of restaurants we eat at, they're asking us for this, which is interesting. Well, it's really interesting. Just the, the whole realm around this has really changed. So I found this out. One of my employees, when I was practicing, their sister worked for a car dealership. I started filling out the feedback form that they send you after that you come in for a service or something, but I didn't finish it. Okay. Well, I found out from them because it was my employee's sister that that actually takes away from potential bonuses that the, the car dealership gets if you don't complete it or you give them negative scores. That's why they're all about these five-star experiences. They need that internal stuff to even be positive to, to bonus. So I, I, I truly believe it now. I do believe that you know, you have to actually request it though. I don't think you can just assume the patient is going to go home and do it. And I'll give you a classic example I talk about a lot. When the AACD, the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry was in Toronto, I went to that meeting and I had never been to Toronto since I was a young kid. And I went to a restaurant with some of my friends. It was called Rogers and Company, I think it was called. And it was honestly the best overall meal I've ever had in my entire life. From the service, to the food, to the atmosphere, literally it was probably number one, if not number two on my list of all meals I've ever had. And I told this to the waitress and they brought the owner out. They, the owner bought us drinks. I mean, made it really nice. But to this day, I have not gone online to write a review about them because they never asked me to do it. 
So I, I also think you you have to ask, you can't assume a patient's going to go out of their way to write a review because it's not the easiest thing to do in the world. And that's what I always talk about is you have to make it easy, but you have to ask in some some way, whether it's mentioning it to them like, you, like we just talked about or sending them a message after their visit to the office, you have to do something to get that request. The patient's not going to do it on their own. That's actually a really good point because I know I, I'll get clients, I'll tell you, well, we have the system, it's sending the text message. And I always say like, your staff also needs to mention it, that you will get this text from us. It means the world to us. If you can take a couple minutes to give your, you know, now I'm going to have to give feedback. To give your feedback. I can now have to say feedback. <laughs> to change feed- my <laughs> yeah, to give your feedback. Now, you know, people always ask me, and this may have been one of the questions, but I'll, I'll preempt it by saying, you know, people ask, always ask me, how do we get the team more involved? That's a very big question mm-hmm. I get yes. is how is a team more involved? So a couple of things you can't do. You can't incentivize a patient. Okay. Yeah. So you cannot ask a patient to, to, or you cannot pay them in any way, shape or form for the review. Okay. But you want to incentivize somebody, you incentivize the team. Okay. I'm a very big fan of giving something back to the team to do it. Now, one of the big things in review re- reviews now, Google wants photos in the review. When you get a photo in the review, it will automatically go to one of the most relevant reviews that you have. So if you look, if you, and just to explain what happens here, when someone goes to your Google My Business page and they click on your reviews, the first thing they see are the most relevant reviews. There's a button for recent, lowest, and highest. But the first thing they see is the most relevant ones. could be three years ago, okay? But to make it relevant, the patient has to have left a lot of reviews. So you'll see the most relevant one probably has like eight or 10 reviews. Okay. They could be a local guide, which is someone who does a lot of things for Google, but having a photo in there as well makes it relevant. So what I've started to recommend to offices is that you incentivize the team. And when you incentivize the team, you tell them to have a patient take a picture of you and them in the office together. And then when they write the review, they put the review that the photo in that review and you know that patient had to have a discussion and that's how you incentivize the team when they get their photos in the reviews. That's the best way to kind of do a have a competition, give them some money because that will really be a, very effective in getting a higher ranked review than something that's buried down below. Mm. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. So when you say and because this comes up a lot, you can't incentivize the patient. I know I see it everywhere. You know, we're having a contest. If you write a review, you get two entries into like a raffle. Is that okay? Is that not okay technically? So the answer is that's a very gray area. Okay? <laughs> and it, here, here's the reason why it's gray, because I know firsthand offices that have done that and gotten caught and all the reviews have disappeared. Oh. Okay. I also have practices that do it on a regular basis and have no problems with it. So I, when I teach, I teach best practices. I don't want someone taking my advice and losing their reviews. So I always say I would not do a contest because I've seen people who've lost the reviews. And is it worth it to, you have 500 reviews like that, they go away because someone shows the Google that you're doing you know, a, a contest of some sort. So I do not recommend doing any type of raffle to get reviews. You don't have to do it this day and age. This day and age, you just use the service that automatically logs the patient into their Google account. You mention to them, hey, you're going to get this text message, and we really appreciate you taking a couple of, day, a couple of days, a couple of seconds out of your day to write the, rev- uh, the review or the feedback for us. That's all it takes nowadays, and it's a very inexpensive cost to do something like that. So instead of incentivizing and, and, and paying the patient, you do it this way. 
So it's a much better result you get. And it's legally done. What about like, this is a big one. I know Michelle, you and I have probably talked about this. When you get that review, that one that you just wish you'd never got, you know, the one star and honestly, all of them, even the five stars, what is your recommendation? How do you respond to them? Should you respond to all of them, the negative and the, the good and the bad? And what can you really say in, to your, in your responses? Because I know I hear this a lot in the Facebook groups too, because a lot of them, and I see you chime in, which is awesome, but I know that this is a big one. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to take, to take the answer to this question. So let's start off by saying there used to be some SEO value in responding to reviews. I haven't seen that recently. Okay. Studies, and I look at a lot of studies, studies show that patients, consumers appreciate businesses that respond to both positive and negative reviews. Okay. There are people, I have a Facebook group called raving patients, and there are people that are adamant in that group that they respond to every review, whether it's positive or negative. Now I take a different approach. So if you think the patient is crazy, if you, if you, if they're nuts, if, I mean, literally you have to judge the patient, I would be very wary to respond to a negative review. I would rather you take it offline, contact the patient and try to fix their problem and get it taken down first and foremost. Okay. If that doesn't work, you can respond, but you have to be careful with your responses because I've seen literally responses blow up in the, the practice's face and it's taken a, a one-line review and it's made it a novel that's there years later. So you just have to take it for, for its face value. I would be very careful in responding to some negative reviews. Okay. Positive reviews, I think you're fine. I mean, you can respond. Look, from HIPAA's perspective, you're technically not allowed to acknowledge them as a patient. Okay. If you do that to a positive review, I don't believe you're going to have any issues because the patient really is praising you. They're not going to care if you say, you know, thank you so much for your feedback. We're so glad you enjoyed your visit to our practice. Technically, you you violated HIPAA there because you, you, you acknowledge they were in the office. I don't believe that will ever get you into any problems though. But by the letter of the law, that's a HIPAA violation. Okay. I don't believe you should be doing that at all when you have a negative experience. When you have a negative experience, you want to you want to tell your side, and you're going to violate HIPAA almost every single time. So something something like you know we value your feedback both we value feedback both positive and negative. Um, we're sorry you were disappointed in the service we have provided. Unfortunately, due to HIPAA, I'm not able to comment publicly. Please contact the office to discuss your concerns. So you didn't acknowledge you didn't violate anything with HIPAA with that. So I think that's a better way to go about doing it. Okay, but understand this. Getting negative reviews, I think, is good for business. One, it should help you deal with issues you're having because all offices have issues. There's nobody, there's no perfect business out there. Okay. I always say a, a, a perfect re- business isn't one with perfect reviews, it's one that deals with feedback perfectly. Okay. And I think that if you take the feedback that you're getting, you fix the things you're doing in the office, such as when you're running late, you know, there was like I literally, in my Facebook group yesterday, a dentist put a review that he had gotten and he put the review and he basically basically said, the review basically said that they came in with a toothache, was told they needed four crowns and something else, and they they were disappointed in the services. So the person wanted to respond, but all of the other dentists says, you need to listen to the concern of the patient. You know, doing four crowns was not the chief concern. Fix, getting the patient out of pain was the chief concern. So those types of things, you have to understand that it's going to happen. And by the way, this was a brand new starter practice. It was his first bad review. And I told him when he messaged me privately, congratulations, you're officially a dentist. You got your first bad review. (laughs) Because literally, and and they always say that you don't, if you don't break a file, you haven't done enough endo. 
You haven't done enough dentistry if you haven't got a bad review. That is just inevitable with our business. So it's not the end of the world when that happens. So I explained that to him, but everybody says you need to listen to the patient. And if the patient comes in in pain, you don't give him a treatment plan for four crowns. That makes no sense. So hopefully he takes that and learns as a, as a business owner. And I always like to say, look, I was in practice for 23 years, 15, almost 15 on my own before I retired. And I had well over 2000 positive reviews about my business. Okay. And they were on Google, they were on Google, they were on demand for us and health grades and all these other sites, but I had 91 negatives when I retired. Okay. So 91 negatives sounds like a lot of reviews. Okay. A lot of bad reviews, I should say. And it is, but they weren't about my dentistry. They weren't about, they were about policies. They were about money. That's what people complained about because I was a fee-for-service practice. Does it suck when you get it? Of course it sucks. But if you learn and you become a better business person and a better you know, life person because of it, I think that's really important. So I I think in my entire history, I had two, two fake reviews, two out of 91. One was from a business I wrote a bad review for, okay, myself, and they wrote one back for me. Another one was simply, there was it was just not, it was the wrong office. But there were two, biz, two reviews of the 91. So 89 negatives really kind of molded me into a better person. And I think if you look at it that way and don't want to sue a patient or threaten them with a lawsuit or, or, or contact me and say, this is a fake review, you'll, you'll be a much better business because of it. Yeah. They really need to, to listen to that. I know they panic and their immediate response is like, how do I get this taken down? Always, like- <laughs> always. Yeah. yeah. How do I get this taken down? I get that message privately almost every day in my Facebook group, almost every day. And uh, and they want they want to how do I get it down or or this isn't true or this this never happened or this is a fake patient I I do I do not do not do not believe that a random practice is going to be the target of one bad review I don't believe it okay here's an example I'll give you so there was a, a an oral surgeon that I know that contacted me a few months ago they were a newer starter practice they left a previous practice. And they found out that the previous owner was still using their NPI number to submit claims. And this dentist reported the owner dentist of the other practice. Somehow that owner dentist found out, and I think paid a company, which they do exist, to pepper this business with 75 bad reviews in a matter of three weeks. Oh, my God. Whoa. And they went from four, five stars, all five star reviews down to three stars. And she was in a panic. That is clearly... Clearly, and and the the dentist was a female, okay, but the reviews were referring to someone as a male. So, I mean, you can tell they were so fake. Google eventually took them down, okay? That is a clear problem that happened and it was taken care of. But Google is not going to take a single bad review down that you just don't agree with just because you say that the patient doesn't exist. (laughs) I will tell you this, patients who have a bad experience will, will generate or will create a alien Google my bit or, or Google account just to leave a bad review for you with a fake name on it because they don't want to have like it happened to me. I told you I put a bad review for a business. And what did that person do? They wrote a bad review for my business. There's too much that can happen. So they're going to use aliases. They're not going to be real names. No, people who write a bad review usually are not going to use their real name, in my opinion. So now you may you may recognize the the issue. You may you may wonder if it truly happened in the office. But they may not be using their real name, but that doesn't mean it's a fake review because I do not believe a random dental office in in the middle of nowhere is a target of one fake review. If you get 50 of them, that's a problem. Okay, but one bad review is not going to not a fake thing, in my opinion. 
So can I piggyback off of this <laughs> and, and go into, this isn't patient reviews, but this has been happening on Indeed. I've, I've actually seen some in the, the Raving Patients Facebook group, and I've heard it from clients recently. They're getting negative reviews on Indeed from former employees. And, you know, I know there's not like a HIPAA thing there, but, you know, recently it happened to a, a startup who's trying to grow their, their business. And like, it's really hurt. Like the applicants, they're not showing up. They're not applying. Like, what is your recommendation for something like that? So you have to understand anywhere you reply to a review, whether it's on Google, whether it's on Indeed, whether it's on some random site, that review, that response is going to be there forever in most cases. So yes, you may be dealing with a, a former employee who was the worst employee ever, I would be very careful how you respond to those. Can you reply? Of course, but you don't want to sound like an a-hole, okay? You, because that will affect the ability for you to attract people to work in your business. Just like I think Google reviews, you know, we don't, we think about it only for patients, but when someone's looking to potentially work in your office, do you not think they're going to look at your reviews? Of course. I had so many employees want to work for me because of all the amazing reviews I had for the business, but it's the exact opposite. If they see all these bad reviews about you, okay? They, they may say, well, I'm, I'm not sure I want to work for this dentist. So I think you have to be careful how you respond. I think a response is warranted. Tell your side, but don't be angry. Make sure you wait a little bit before you respond because you can really hurt your business if you don't respond appropriately. Right, right. And I think it's part of your portfolio. I mean, I personally look at a potential client. The first thing I do is look at their Google page and their Facebook page. And I kind of get a, because I'm going to get a pulse on them. And I read the reviews. I spend some time because I really think I get a good idea of the practice from those reviews that patients write. I agree. agree hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, it's, when I look at businesses, I look, I, you know, obviously I, we don't, we don't really talk about bird. Eye. I, I run the dental division for bird. Eye. I talk to dentists every single day. I meet them at meetings. I evaluate them. I, I tell them why they may not be doing as well as they think they are, because that's, that's what I'm good at. Okay. And, and it's amazing to me how there's such a misconception in the industry about what, how you need to look online to really attract new patients to your practice. I think it's a very misunderstood. I think there's, there's products out there that are misunderstood that they don't really truly understand what, what they do for your office. So I think that, you know, dentists need to understand that the most important thing they can do is put their best foot, best foot forward online. They have to be visible and credible. If you're visible and you don't have any reviews, that's a problem. Okay. But if you're credible and nobody can find you, that's also a problem. So you need both of those things. And I think there's a very common misconception that just getting reviews is going to help you. It's not the only thing that you need. Right. I feel like it's, there's a whole bunch of things that go into it. It's one piece of that puzzle. And for, for me, when I'm working with a, a newer practice, one of the things that I say to them is like, your, what is your vision? Define your vision and live that every single day. Because if you are living that out, people can't help but write you amazing reviews and be talking about you and wanting to come to your office. So I talk about creating raving patients. That's my brand. I, mean, I have a book, I have a podcast, I have a Facebook group. It's all about creating raving patients. And you do that three ways. Okay. You exceed the patient expectations, you under promise and over deliver, and you go the extra mile. And if you do those three things, you will create those raving patients who want to refer to you. You will create trust with those patients. And when you create trust with those patients, what do they do? They refer they spend money 
and they come back for more. Okay. If you create those raving patients, you will change the way you look in your business, but you'll also avoid, avoid that dreaded one-star review. But I want to make sure people understand that having a five-star business and 100, 200, 300 reviews, that looks fake as a $5 bill or $2 bill. Okay. You do not want to have only five-star reviews. The perfect score is somewhere between 4.6 and 4.8 or 4.9. But you do not want to have only five-star reviews because that to me is a clear sign that there's fakeness going on. You have to have some negatives. It's important. So I always say, when I'm giving my seminars, if you only have five-star reviews, piss a patient off once in a while and tell them to go online and write a bad (laughs) review for you. (laughs) Because it's good for business. It is good for business. I can tell you that. And also it's a lot of pressure when you're all five stars on, I I think like they walk in and I've, I've had this where a client club goes, Oh my God, I've had 250 five-star reviews. And this patient left telling my front desk, I don't know why I came here. I don't know where these five stars are coming from. I didn't have a good experience because I had to wait 10 minutes because the expectation comes to another level. And again, it should be that level. It's yeah. The customer service is key, but I think when you have, all those, as you said, really amazing five-star reviews, and there's not even one, four, or three, or one star. They're like, they walk in already wanting that red carpet pulled out. You, you, you can't always do that. Yeah. Know? And like I said, yeah. you, if you're a dentist long enough, you will get some bad reviews. Yeah. People leave your practice all the time mm-hmm. for certain reasons. You can't keep all your patients happy. There will be some negative feedback out there about you. So like I said, I do not do not shy away from it. Do not worry about it. It's not the end of the world. I actually got a call or a message from a dentist who was newer. And I think she only had maybe eight reviews on Google at the time. And two of them were bad. And she had like three and a half stars. And she said to me that she thinks she is going to have to retire from dentistry because she don't think patients are going to come in. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this is not the end of the world. And, and I had to like, like pump her up to not worry about it because she was literally like down in the dumps. Look, it sucks when you get a bad review, Um, but by the end of the day, as long as you get some other positives, it's, it's like, God, don't even worry about it. You know, I I always say a bad review may spoil your breakfast, but it shouldn't allow it to spoil your lunch. So, (laughs) because honestly, that's how fast, that's how fast you should forget about it. I mean, it's not the end of the world. And I think that's the most important thing to get through here is that you have to expect you're going to get a bad review, but if it happens, there's ways to deal with it. So there's other platforms that people can put reviews on, like how important are Yelp reviews or Facebook reviews? The only reason Facebook is important is because when you search for your business, Facebook is going to be one of the sites that show up there. That's the only reason. Facebook reviews usually don't matter other than for that reason. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think Yelp reviews are important if you're in a place that Yelp matters and Yelp doesn't matter in every place. So if you're in California as a state, you're in New York, you're in Chicago, you're in Miami, you're in some of these bigger cities, it matters. If you're in a small community, Yelp doesn't matter at all. Look, in Philadelphia, look, people look, people, because I show myself when I when I talk about online reviews, and you can see my Yelp age when I was in practice, my Yelp sucked. My Yelp, I mean, I think I had two and a half stars and like 30 something reviews. Yelp didn't matter because it wasn't a big in Philadelphia. Not a lot of people use Yelp there. So it never really affected my business at all. So I think it's very much geographic dependent whether Yelp matters or not. Yeah, my clients in DC, Yelp is big for them. Yeah. That's interesting. It's like the main cities, whereas more like rural areas, Yelp is not a thing at all. Rural areas, I would not, I would not worry about Yelp if you're, you're in a rural, rural area. That's a good point. Awesome. So we've been talking a lot about like getting reviews and, you, and you've mentioned BirdEye a couple of times. Like, can you tell us a little bit more of like how BirdEye can help people get more reviews? 
Sure. So BirdEye is what I call a reputation marketing company. They like to call it a patient experience platform. It is a reputation marketing company. We focus on getting practices visible and credible, which means we help them get reviews. We help them rank higher on the maps of Google because we do something that's called name, address, and phone number cleanup or citation cleanup or listing management. Just getting reviews isn't enough. Okay. Look, I'm a huge proponent of communication softwares. And just as an example, Solution Reach, Demand Force, Lighthouse, Revenue Well, these are all communication software that I used to use in my practice. It's a vital part of your, your product or your product stack, your tech stack. You need those software, but they're not review platforms. They have a review feature, but they're not a review platform. BirdEye is in its own class because we are doing some additional things that allow the reviews to post automatically. So we have an API with Google that automatically logs the patient into their Google account. So password isn't required, which is one of the biggest reasons why patients don't leave reviews is they don't know their passwords. Um, And they stop right then and there. So that's a huge advantage to us, but we also fix their listings. We have released some other products. We have a referral product now. We have an appointment product, which is confirmations, reminders, recare, reactivation, and online scheduling patient forms. But the main reason why people use BirdEye is they want to make it really easy for their patients to write reviews, which we are the best at in the industry. I work with over 10,000 dental practices. We have about 100,000 businesses who, who use this product. And by the time this podcast comes out, we're going, we just hit $100 million in annual recurring revenue. It actually happened a couple of days ago, but by the time we're announcing it on this Tuesday, so I can say it on this. I haven't told anybody, <laughs> but this is not going to be out till, till July, but we had $100 million in annual recurring revenue. So there's a reason why we are we become a very large product. And it's because we we work and we do what we say we're going to do and we do it well. Can I ask you something? Because that's actually triggered a question. So if they have sure. they have like demand for all those lighthouse three sixty any of those, and they offer that service, but as you said, I and I I believe in it because I see your product with my clients for Bird Eye. They should simultaneously also have Bird Eye. They should continue using those platform for confirmation and text and then use your platform for that. Is that so there's two ways to look at that now. Okay. So up until a few months ago, I would say, yes, you need two separate two separate platforms, one to do the confirmations or the communication and one to do the reviews. BirdEye now has an appointment product. So if you look, Lighthouse, I think those products are very overpriced for what they do. You know, $300 a month to confirm appointments. BirdEye now has that as a module within our software. So they can take all their business to BirdEye if they wanted to. But if not, yes, those software will, will confirm appointments. They'll send you know, patients consent forms and those things, we will handle the reviews. You can also combine them into one service if you wanted to. That will save a lot of money, but okay. yes. I'm going to add something because the question is, okay, if I leave this company X, all this great feedback I had in it, am I going to lose it if I move over? Because this is a common question I get a lot. Yeah, so internal reviews that which those companies have, like Demand Force has reviews right. on Demand Force. Revenue well has reviews on Patient Connect. Solution Reach had, had Solution Reach page. Mm-hmm. BirdEye is able to take those reviews into our platform. So we will house them in our software. We will promote them on our microsite so you don't lose those reviews. And if you ever leave BirdEye, you do, we only get Google reviews so or Facebook reviews. You don't lose those reviews either. They're yours to keep, which is a very common thing I hear. Oh, I was told that if I leave BirdEye, I lose my reviews. We don't have BirdEye reviews anymore. We have Google and Facebook reviews. So there's nothing to lose because they're your property. But that's a big reason why people feel feel like they're held hostage with these other platforms. 
because they think they're going to lose those reviews. We were able to pull them into the BirdEye system and 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 uh, aggregate the reviews because we are an aggregation service as well. Thank you. That's a, good, that's a common one I get all the time. That's very common <laughs> for me too. I actually learned a lot. Again, Malika, like I'm coming away now and like it's feedback. It's not reviews anymore. It's going to be yes. feedback. That's my <laughs> my big my big takeaway. And I think the other big takeaway that I had is like getting people to get photos with the staff yeah, for, for the reviews. Yeah, that, that's great because I've noticed some of the reviews I look at, I see it on there, but I just never now I understand why they're doing it. I think they talked to them and they learned that trick. <laughs> And I think that's fantastic. The one challenge, right? I don't know if you come across this. Is like, I, I, I'm amazed at how many offices, like the team members, are like I don't want my picture used for anything. And I'm like, why not? Why not? Why don't you want your picture out there? Like, you want people coming here. I question that. I think I always talk about website design. I think one of the most important things is to have a picture of the team dressed like a team, not individual photos that look like they're mishmash together. Because look, coming to a dental office is not the most comfortable thing, especially if you're a new patient. And you want to see who you're going to see when you come in there. So I think if you don't have, if you have a team member that doesn't want their photo, I would question about having them as a team member, mm-hmm. <laughs> just to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. True. It's it's sad. I, I did a big uh, team training with an office uh, a week or two ago and we, we took a group photo and then we, I was like trying to take some action shots and I had, there's probably like 10 or 12 people on this team. At least three people say like, do not take my picture. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Interesting. But, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I get that sometimes too, which is interesting. <laughs> I would be very careful. I wonder, always wonder why. Now, look, I don't think you have to, I think you put the person's first name in their last initial, no last names, because sure. we do have Instagram and Facebook stalkers out there. So I would not do that. But I don't think if, if a patient or excuse me, a team member doesn't want their photo on their web, on the website, that's a little concerning to me. With that, <laughs> if people have questions, because I know people are going to have some questions here, like what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? So there's many ways. Easiest, honestly, is to text or email me. I'll give you my cell phone number in a second. But I am in, I'm super active on social. So you can use any of the social channels. I have Instagram. I have Facebook. I'm LinkedIn. I'm over, over socialed. So any of the social channels, but the be- very best way is to either call or text me or email me. So my cell phone number is 215-292-2100. That's my cell phone number. And the best email is my personal business one, which is len, L-E-N, at D-R-L-E-N-T-A-U.com, len at drlentau.com. Right. And, and if they haven't already, like they have to follow that raving patients group, like that is so informational. Like I am reading that all the time and, you know, there's, there's great feedback in there. And it's nice to see some people being a little bit vulnerable and sharing what's going on in their practice. I agree. I, I look, I wish more people would post in there, but a lot of people, people send me their stuff because they don't, they don't even want to post anonymously. I don't understand it. So they, <laughs> I post it for them, but Either way, either you send me it or you post yourself, but the group is a friendly group. Nobody really beats anybody up. It's, you know, there's no sales in it. It's just a way to, to really, and look, I want to, I, look, I teach marketing. So I want people to put more marketing stuff in there rather than just reviews. It's not only about reviews. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this Monday morning. Lots of great information and I can't wait for this to roll out and people to, to really take it to the next level with their online presence. So, well, if I can help any way, I'm happy to, I am very much involved in this 
part of the industry. So don't feel like you're annoying me. Don't feel like you're going to pester me. I do this every single day of my life to, to a fault sometimes. But if you have, if they need my advice, I'm happy to help. Right. This was great. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Until next time. Thank you, Len. Thank you, Malika. We'll see you again soon. Thanks for joining us on Accelerating Your Dental Practice. To connect with Malika and Michelle, visit ZarDentalConsulting.com and AffinityManagement.co and learn how they can help you accelerate your practice even further.